it's like 85 or something percent of the companies are smaller than $5 million. Like yeah. the bulk of companies yep. are small. Yep. And of those, it, a very large percentage will hit a growth stall at some point in their history, meaning that they're just not growing. Yep. So flat. Plateauing, yep. They're just flat. Yep. So it's not you're in negative growth mode, but mm -hmm. you're flat. And mm -hmm. so when you start the canary in the coal mine is when it starts to slow down, are you anticipating 18 months from now, I guarantee you, you're going to be in a full-blown growth stall. Yep. And so the things you start to change now will have an impact. You know, Jeff Bezos says it all the time. If I have a good quarter, the reason I have a good quarter is because decisions I made three years ago. Bingo. Not because of the decisions I've made today. Yep. So here's the thing. Entrepreneurs, leaders, salespeople. We all want to create consistent, repeatable, and scalable ways to grow our business and our income. And we want to do it better, faster, and more seamlessly. Why? So we can actually enjoy our lives, take vacations, and spend the quality time we want with the people that we love. How do we do all this without spending a fortune or running ourselves ragged? That's the big question. And this show is dedicated to the answer. I am so excited about this episode. I have a good friend, someone that uh, worked at a company called Gardner Forever, which is you know one of the most prestigious uh, consulting companies, management, critical thinking, strategic thinking agencies globally. Did that forever. Like you and I, she was in sales. She banged the phone. She hit quotas. She did all that stuff in her early days. She even worked in a circus. Like we're talking about the ultimate resume here. And today she finds herself author of the New York Times bestselling book, The Growth IQ. Strongly recommend you check it out right away. And today she works for a little company called Salesforce and her job is to go out and evangelize sales and innovation for companies around the world. You're about to get exposed to someone that I have learned so much from and I'm just so grateful that she shared the stage with me at events, uh, contributed to my client's success and has helped salespeople and entrepreneurs and business leaders around the world. So. Settle in, get your notepad out, get your iPad ready to go, take some notes, and uh, here's my interview with Tiffany Bova. Hey, so Tiffany, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you. Thanks for having me back. You have been all over the world. Before we get into that, though, um, maybe share with the people that are listening right now or maybe watching. Um, I was thinking about your background, like the first time we met, uh, you know, Lori Newman, right? Just we have all this kind of like strange little connections that we've had, but. I have that. I'd love my listeners to get context. So tell them who you are, where were you born and raised, and then I'll, I'll hit a whole bunch of things that I want you to go deep on. So who is Tiffany Bova? So there was this time. When <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what a I'm- A long time it ago. It all started when I was three. Yes. Uh, so I was born and raised in, in Honolulu, Hawaii, which yeah. uh, should tell everybody everything about me. For like a howly, like what was that like yeah. growing up? So I didn't actually notice. Okay until I was older, yes, and then I noticed. Yes. But I remember, well, my mom told me this story that in preschool we had a show and tell. Yeah. And so I brought my mom for a show yeah. and tell because she has brown hair and brown eyes and olive skin. Yes, So yes. like, I'm not really a Howley, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Like, look yes. at my mom, show yes. and tell. Yes. And I was like five. Was your right? dad an albino? Like, no. <laughs> I'm just playing. Pure Italian, You can all right, see both. the people that are listening already. Like, we have some context in history, so. <laughs> yeah, So, but pure Italian, right? So yeah. I, I just look like a very white version of, of my parents. Anyway, How did so, they end up in, in Honolulu? Yeah, so uh, they're from Boston. Yeah. Um, went to Hawaii on their honeymoon before it was a state. 
Got it. And didn't leave. Got it. How cool. Which I'm so thankful because yeah. I, it would be like, you know, Thanksgiving, we'd go to Boston to see the family and I'd yes. be standing outside crying, yeah. going, people live here? <laughs> Why do they do this? It's freezing. Nothing against Boston. Beautiful city. <laughs> totally but really between like November and February, it's not really normal. Forget it. Forget yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So my grandfather would come to Hawaii uh, every November to yeah. my birthday in yeah. March yeah. and literally, you know, shut down his... his uh, he was a doctor, so it shut down his practice for three or four months yeah. to come to Hawaii when it was bitter cold there. Yeah. Uh, and so that worked. But So I was raised in Hawaii, and it was fantastic. Yes. Culturally, it was fantastic. Uh, it wasn't just we learned about Hawaiian history. And yes. A lot more things that you wouldn't have had exposure yeah. to yeah. Um, being on the mainland, if you will. Yeah. Uh, I was super fortunate to have traveled pretty much halfway around the world before I was 18, all through APAC. And mm-hmm. um, I have really great videos when I was a little kid in, and I'd be in somewhere in Asia, uh, and the video would be rolling, no sound, right? Yes, so it would just course. be like, click, 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 right? And you'd see me standing in this square with my blonde hair, Yeah. and all these kids would run up and want to touch my hair. Oh, for sure. Because they'd never seen a howly, right? They'd never seen a blonde or green eyes with fair skin, like they'd never seen it. So. Uh, it was really fantastic, I have to say. It was a great place to be born and raised. Did you dream as a little girl that you would grow up, uh, you know, go into sales, become a unbelievable like business strategist consultant at Garner, and then one day be the evangelist for Salesforce of all things growth and innovation? Like, did you like was that the path for Tiffany Bova? No. <laughs> What was the path? Yeah, I don't know. You I know, mean, like, I, like I think I was 29 here. and my mom goes, I think you need to move out. So, you know, the first, really? yeah, the first clue was I didn't really know what I wanted to do in my 20s. Okay. And so I went to college in the mainland, yeah. Arizona yeah. State. Yeah. Uh, while at college. Learned said, how to party. Learned how to party. Yeah, I picked it because it was number one on the Playboy poll of the of course. Pe- yes. you know, best yes. party school. So yes. that was my choice. Yes. That's where I'm going. Okay. Right? And, and then uh, at the beginning of my sophomore year, my college counselor said, you know, business isn't really for you. Maybe the undergrad of business is not a good idea for you. There's, you should find something else like communication because you're, you know, you're good at that. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, maybe it can be. I can uh, hear like my father. How do you bullshit so much? Like you're good at talking. Yeah. So how can you get paid to yeah. do that? Because yeah. business administration and undergrad yeah. that may not be really good for you. So mm-hmm. you know, every time I get the letter in the mail of like donating to the college, I'm always like, Yeah, you told me. <laughs> business wasn't for me. I'm donating to my high school. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thanks, right? Uh, so, you know, I, I didn't really go down the path of, of getting my undergrad in business or getting my MBA. So I went back to Hawaii. Yeah. Um, and I like to joke that everything I learned about business, I learned at the carnival because I was working at Carney's. I was yeah. a Carney from the age of 16 to about 22. Okay, this I didn't know. Yeah. This is new information. New information. So what in the world were you doing in a carnival? Yeah, my best friend's parents owned a full-blown carnival in Hawaii called the yes. E.K. Fernandez Shows. Yes. And the husband had the carnival business. So, you know, everything. Roller coasters, Ferris For wheels, sure. yo-yos. Yes. Right? And I ran the outdoor games. So wow. I had to order teddy bears, mm-hmm. and there's so many p- different plush on teddy bears that mm-hmm. you really don't need to know all of it. Yeah. But I'd have to pick the plush, and what was the cost point? What was the cost of sales? How do I hire people for three days? 
build up a carnival, break down a carnival and move on, yeah. you know, five days later. And within Hawaii, it would be somewhere in the islands. It was used for fundraising and sure. for things like that, sure. right? And so, you know, it was a multi-million dollar business over two or three days. And, you were and an I, entrepreneur. I was 16, 17, yes. 18, but learning from an entrepreneur. Yes. Right? So uh, the mom had indoor arcades called the Fun Factory. So it was like video games on steroids. Yeah. And so uh, I was running, you know, you'd have to run promotions and skee-ball and the little tickets and the, you know, counters would have to be clean. And so I moved from the carnival to the indoor carnival and I opened their largest store. Uh, and so everything about getting teddy bears mm -hmm. to Hawaii on a ship, that teaches you supply chain. Exactly. Because when teddy bears don't show up, yep. kids aren't happy. Yes. And your customer in this, in this environment is like from the age of four to like 10. Yeah. That's a tough customer. Yes. Right? And then you have parents who can't win the teddy bear. Yes. Who are trying to bribe you to give them the teddy bear. Yes. Right? I mean, it's, yes. So everything I learned about business, I learned at the carnival. So hence why in college, when they said business isn't really for you, I'm like, this isn't sort of how supply chain works. Yes. Yeah. Like supply chain doesn't, like what happens when the teddy bear container falls off the ship? Yes. Right? That's, how do you make that work? Right? Uh, and so I was doing sales and marketing after that, you know, for little companies what here and there. What was your first sales job? I mean, obviously the carnival God, was, I don't was even definitely. Know. I, yeah, I don't even know because I don't know if I ever considered it being a sales job. Okay, sure. You know, so I would do um, nonprofit sort of, you know, mm -hmm. raising money for hurricane relief in Hawaii at a bar or nightclub. I was doing yeah. fundraisers. I was helping my friends who had clothing lines, you know, to helping sell like Maui gym sunglasses and yes. Mosimo swimwear. And yeah. like, I was just doing all that kind of stuff for friends who had businesses that were bringing products into Hawaii. So I guess that's when I started selling, but I never looked at it like, I'm in sales. Yeah. I was just sort of out there. Solving problems. Solving problems. And it was really when I noticed the importance of building a really strong network. Yes. Because it was people who I knew in Hawaii that gave me the advantage over people who were coming from the mainland trying to sell into Hawaii. And then I accidentally landed in technology, which was sort of one of those accidents. Sure. And, but the uh, timing was right in our age, you know, like, so yep. we, we kind of, we kind of naturally, if we were paying attention, fell into that. Fell into it. So who was your first tech company? So it was my own, actually. Oh. It was uh, my partner and I, and we created, we were digitizing the yellow pages. This wow. is before the web. Yeah. And so you could call sort of hello pages is what it was called. Yeah. Yes. And you could call and say, hey, I'm on the corner of Warden first and my car broke down, I need a tow truck. And that operator would bullion search who's the closest tow truck and call that tow truck for you and then send it to you. So, Early 90s, 92, oh no, yeah, 3? Yeah, yeah, right around there. Okay. Right around there, Yeah, right? I mean, that makes sense. Because that was like, welcome to movie phone. Yeah. Press one for this. It was like, you know, it was the phone was the internet. The phone was the internet. Yeah. And so we raised money. Yeah. And that sort of taught me that. Yeah. And then we had to move to the mainland. Pretty much everyone's like, like, you can't be taken serious, like yeah. working in yeah, yeah. Honolulu. Like, it's just not going to work. You're just smoking weed. Come yeah, on. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And so we moved to California. And then, uh, you know, that happened for a couple of years. We sold parts of it to uh, Sprint, parts of it to mm -hmm. Nextel, you know, and then I was sort of out, yeah. um, which it was time for me to go. And, and I landed a small software company. And then that was sort of the beginning of me really believing I was in sales. Yeah. yeah where I was, you know, carrying a bag and a quota. How old were you at this point? I was just 30. So 30, you start up a company. You, you I mean, that was super innovative. I was 26, 27, 28. Yeah. Starting up the company. Was right? it a good exit for you financially? It wasn't. 
But that wasn't the learning for yeah. me. The learning yeah. was, I'm actually glad it wasn't a good financial yeah. exit for me because I yeah. would have made different decisions. Sure. Right? And so, uh, but it taught me how to write and raise money. It taught yes. me how to market. It taught me how to sell. Yeah, I was sort of, I was it. It was, yeah. there was two of us. Yeah. So anything he didn't do, I had to do. Quality and, control, product, innovation, customer, you know, customer acquisition, customer service, you, I yep. mean, finance. Yep. You learned everything. Yep. And I failed miserably at most, but I learned the things I was really good at, which yes. was sales, service, and, and marketing. Yeah. And so uh, when it was time for me to find a real job, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, yeah. when you're working for yourself, you know, there is almost no paycheck until you either exit. So yes. my, you know, my bills were covered, but I wasn't, you know, banking cash. Sure. Right. But I wasn't 30. Yeah. So then at 30, sort of life began on yeah. this journey of that got me to where I am today. And, and uh, so in my 20s, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I didn't really know what it was I was doing. And then in my 30s, I sort of said, OK, I get this. Yeah. I'm going to start selling. I like technology. I'm kind of good at it. Mm-hmm. And back then, this is sort of uh, late Nine, 90s. I say, yeah, like 96, 97 in that late range. 90s, yeah. I was yeah. also one of the only women selling technology. Which was huge. Which was huge. Yes. Um, was, okay, let's talk about that. Yeah. Was it? I, I think it's huge. I have you know many friends that are our contemporaries that, that you know they were close to that same time period. But what was it like for you being a woman selling technology in the you know in the late '90s when selling tech was hard enough? Right? Was it different being a woman? So the very first real job I had as a salesperson, hired as a salesperson, yeah. Like, you know actually answered an ad from the newspaper in wow. the LA Times. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. let's date this, right? Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like called yeah, yeah, a phone yeah. number and said, hi. And they said, can we see your resume? Right? Yeah. Like, okay, I got to put together a resume. <laughs> oh my God. Like, you know, uh, I ordered teddy bears for 10 years. Like, you yeah, know what I mean? Like, sure. what do I put on this yeah. resume? Anyway, so uh, I go for my first interview, right? So, you know, I get all dressed up, yeah, yeah. you know, do the whole thing. And so I'm sitting across from this gentleman who mm-hmm. this is his company. Yes. And so it's him. Yeah. He's an entrepreneur. He has one programmer. He has one customer service person, and he has a a, a, a woman who was running marketing. So there yeah. was three people, and I was yeah. like going to be their only salesperson. Wow. Okay. Wow. And it was it. That's for those super of, startup. Mode. Yeah. For those of you who know California, it's mm-hmm. at the top of Mulholland and Roscoe Mayor. There's a little yeah. like a little rest, you know, strip little strip mall. Mm-hmm. We were upstairs from the you know kind of video rental place. Yeah. I mean, it was just this, and he lived like three blocks away, right? Sure. So this was his, this is where we were. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so he looks across from me and he goes, so I, I really like you and I'd like to hire you, but I'm not sure about the name Tiffany to sell technology. <laughs> you told me this story. Tell the story. This is so good. So I literally go, you know, yeah. for those of you listening, I kind yeah. of tip my head a little bit like Scooby, uh, like Scooby yeah. right? And I said, mm, oh, okay. And while I never felt like I fit my name, sure. I'd never had anyone challenge me on sure. my name, right? So now sure. all of a sudden, it's my name. Yes. But, right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where before it was kind of like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. So then he goes, what's your middle name? So I said my middle name, which is in Hawaiian. And he's yeah. like, okay, that's almost worse, right? <laughs> so then he goes, well, what does that mean, you know? Yes. So, so, you know, I said what it meant and, and, and he goes, okay, well, we're going to go with that. But if you'd like the job, that's what we're going to do. So here I am. I You're walk going out. with the interpretation of your middle name. Yes. What was your middle name? Like, I'm like, I don't know. I've never even asked you this. Yeah. So, well, my middle name is Kiana, okay. which is Diane. Sure. So he goes, we'll go with Diane. Diane. Yeah. Okay. We're going to yeah. go with Diane. So I'm walking out of there in this sort of very interesting dilemma. Mm-hmm. Like, so my first job interview, really serious one. Yeah. I'm going to get hired and I can't use my name. Yes. So what does that 
I didn't know how to, so I went home. That messes with your identity. Yeah, and so I went home, called my mom, and I'm like, I'm not really sure sort of what to, what to think about this, right? So she's just like, look, you need a job. So you'll figure it out, mm-hmm. but I'd say don't pass on the job. Take the job. Yeah. So I take the job. So we're in our very first, you know, fast forward a couple of weeks, we're in our very first sort of client meeting, downtown Los Angeles, one of the th- sort of the third or fourth largest law firm in the country. Mm-hmm. And we're doing this, we were selling into the legal vertical. And so we're at this table, we're about to give this demonstration and the CEO is saying my name across the table to get me to answer him. So yeah. he's saying Diane, Diane, <laughs> Diane. Well, of course I'm not answering because I'm like, who the hell's Diane? Like, you know, <laughs> what? What the hell is going on, you, right? And yes. so then I'm like, oh, are you ta- are you talking to well, me? That's me? Oh, that's me, right? And so then he, from that point forward, he just called me Tiffany, right? Yeah. And so uh, did you land the gig? It's, so we landed the deal, yeah. right? Yeah. And and you know, I think at the time he was maybe a hundred thousand a month he was selling. Um, and then by the time I left, I'd sort of figured out how to sell through and with partners. Yes. You know, so the value added resellers in the technology industry, I went and signed six or eight of them up. So by the time I had left, which was maybe like 10 months later, mm-hmm. he was doing pretty close to a million a month. Wow. So, and I was the only salesperson. So clearly my name didn't, didn't really it, matter. Didn't really yeah. matter. Right. Yeah. And so fast forward many, 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 many years. And it was maybe like five or six years ago and I ran into him and, uh, and he was with his wife and I remembered his wife. And so I walked up to say hi and he looks up at me and he goes, oh yeah, yeah, what is it? Is it candy? I'm like, did you really? Just, did you just punch him in the nose? I'm like, hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Anyway, I said, no, Tiffany. He goes, oh, that's right, that's right. I'm like, you know, and he since had sold the business and made a lot of money. Yes. Um, and so I was like, well, you know, it was a, it was a good lesson. There was a lot of lessons in that, uh, but. Yeah. But, I was yeah. just gonna say to you like, okay, so first of all, for the people that are like watching or listening right now, Tiffany wrote this insane book called Growth IQ. And it is, it's over, like, I mean, I can now I'm getting like pieces of all the stories inside the book, right? There's so much inside here. But before we get into that, I wanna talk Garner for a second. Yep. I don't, I don't think the vast majority of people even know what Garner is or does. So what is the company? How did you get there? And how long were you there? Like a decade? Yeah. So what happened was through my so through my thirties, like yeah. sort of my first software job, I changed jobs every eighteen months. Yeah. And people called it sort of a higher risk. Yeah. They're like, we don't really understand. Yeah. And, and and it had a lot to do with me actually expecting and wanting more out of myself. Yeah. So I would always go to my employer and say, Hey, I want to, and they'd be like, We really value you, but if, you know, we don't have anything for you, we don't yeah. want to lose you. Yeah. So I would end up leaving. Yeah. So over the course of ten years. I sort of doubled my salary, doubled my responsibility almost every 18 months. And so I was clipping along. I had yeah. just myself, and then I had a small team, and then I had a bigger team, then I had marketing, then I had customer service, then I had, yeah. you know? And so I ended my quota-bearing sales career running uh, a division of gateway computers, which everyone will remember, sure. the Holstein pattern boxes. And uh, then when that business sort of split in two, I said, I just need a, I need a break. Like yeah. I've been selling hard for yeah. a good 10 or 15 years. Yep. Um, and so I started working for a company called Gartner, which is the sort of the world's largest analyst and consulting firm for technology. Yes. And say that again. It's the largest analyst and consulting firm for tech. What does that mean? So anybody in sort of the Fortune 500, Fortune 1000, mm-hmm. all the way large or small companies that are going to make acquisitions around technology, mm-hmm. big ones, yes, uh, will go to someone like Gartner, and it's mm-hmm. usually Gartner, yeah. to say 
should I buy this? Should I buy that? What's the value? What's my ROI? What are other people doing? Yeah. It, it's really a place in which companies can go for advising around the acquisition and usage of technology. And so when I joined the business in, uh, in 2006, the stock was $11 and the mm -hmm. revenue was about 850 million. Mm -hmm. I was there for 10 years and when I left, the stock was $115 and it was a $2.5 billion business. That's some serious growth. That's some serious growth. And what, was your, what was your role on that? So I started as a uh, senior director of research, mm -hmm. um, which is really academic. So it was very strange for me to be in that role because yes. I'm, I'm sort of a very extrovert people yeah. talker person. And this yep. is, a, I'm going to write research and sit and think, <laughs> yeah. which was very different for me. Yeah. So I started as a research director and then I became a vice president and became a distinguished analyst. And then I left as a research fellow, which is really um, pushing the envelope on uh, driving change in the way sort of I'd say the top 50 tech companies in the world were going to market. Mm -hmm. They were my clients on how do I sell better, sell direct, sell through partners, sell on the web and, and all of those things. So uh, you said that really quick. I don't know if the people listening right now got the significance of the role that you played in technology that almost every person is using right now. Yeah, outside of a couple of the big ones that were not sort of my clients, but mm -hmm. I'd say 80% of the things people use, um, I had touched at some point. You know, a launching of a new desktop or laptop or tablet yeah. or, uh, you know, a new software application or a new cloud-based application. Yes. You know, anybody from Dell to Amazon Web Services yeah. to IBM to VMware to... Uh, you know, Oracle and SAP and Salesforce. And, it's everything yeah, we everything. touch, whether we know it yeah. or not, right? It's it's but the matrix. it was very the focused matrix. on the selling of it, right? Yes. So they would come yes. to me and go, hey, look, we're trying to enter a new market, or yeah. we want to go after mid-sized business, or we want to do better going after the real estate vertical. Yeah. You know, what do we need to do? Who should we be partnered with? How should we be selling? Should we create very custom products for that particular vertical? Like yep. healthcare needs something that takes up very little desk space. Yes. You know, if you're going to sell into education, it's going to be in a backpack. It needs to be light. And yep. so you have to think about those kinds of things yes. in the product design as well as the way you sell and the way you market uh, and the way you support. And so I was super early in cloud. Yeah. And so I had a good pulse of um, what it, where it was going to go. But I also realized I wasn't an entrepreneur to go pursue it that way, that mm -hmm. my role was really how do I help Yes. companies be more Facilitate. successful. And I yep. kind of found that that was more me than that entrepreneurial spirit I had in my 20s. Yeah. Uh, as you start acquiring things as an adult, you're a little more or a little less risk adverse, I think, you know, sure. right? You're just, you're a little more yeah. risk adverse. So you, you, it was like, I like, I like the security of working and uh, for someone, but I had this amazing platform to travel around the world and hear things um, like, you know, smart, refrigerators or yes. autonomous cars yep. or you know the things that we see and take for granted now I was very involved in before the public sort of knew what was going to be uh, happening you yes. know how do you start talking about a smart refrigerator like how is someone going to really understand what that means and will yes. the home be willing to the homeowner be willing to absorb mm -hmm. all this technology that's going to hit their house mm -hmm. and at the same time is there enough bandwidth to handle everything that's happening in the house yes right and then oh should we start talking to the architects and the builders of homes to start thinking about smart homes and yes. so we started moving into talking to 
developers around smart homes or you know how connected is the car going to be is the yep. car going to be a wi-fi hotspot is it mm -hmm. going to be a wallet mm -hmm. when you drive through something yep. now and like those kinds of conversations were things that i was having uh, at that time so it was super exciting and every day was a new day and you felt like you were out there uh, trying to um, shape the way technology is going to be used or is used in the right ways uh, you know, sort of the ethical and humane use of yes, technology, yes. Uh, looking at it that way. So it was it was awesome. So that was a decade. Looking back at your time with Gardner, what are you most proud of? Um, I'd say, you know, it was different because as a salesperson, I think we have a very, I call myself a recovering seller, although I don't sell anymore. But, but I'd say, you know, it is a type of career where when you win a deal, it is the sense of pride. You know yeah. you've put a lot of work into it. The reward is that you've won the deal, yeah. but then obviously there's a financial reward as well. Mm -hmm. And so when I was in this analyst role, I no longer had that kind of uh, Kill, win. Eat. Yeah, 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 right? I didn't have that. Yeah. And so I had to learn how to uh, enjoy the wins of my clients. Yes. And so when I'd hear an earnings call, or when I'd hear a CEO give an interview on CNBC or MSNBC mm -hmm. or Yahoo Finance or wherever, yes. that I'd go like, I helped participate in whatever it is that they are talking about. Yeah. And so I silently from the background would feel reward from that work that I would do, yeah. um, but it wasn't the same. And yeah. so, you know, I had to learn how to be okay with being behind the scenes, yep. you know, and, and participating. But, you know, some of those relationships, you get to sit in rooms with people that you're like, you know, they are changing the world. And I'm just, I get to enjoy and participate for one hour yeah. in my life in this yes. room with these people, mm -hmm. like I wouldn't have wanted to be anywhere else. So yeah. what what's the trade-off? Yeah. You know, yeah, I don't get the win and the kill and all of that, but wow, I'm sitting in these in these meetings and having conversations with people that it's just, it's it's life-changing. It's, yeah. it, so it was an amazing uh, learning experience for sure. And, and so much of this, yes. you know, coming from, you know, look, what you do today, you can see it all here. Yeah, I absolutely. also can say to you, like every coach of mine that's listening right now knows exactly what you're talking about. Hey, your client was just named number one in their office, their state, their company, and the coaches, you're behind the scenes going, I had a part in that. They did the work, yes. right? They did the work, they fought the good fight, they made the sales, they closed the deals, et cetera, et cetera. But there is that sense of pride, like knowing you were a part of it, even if it was for an hour. Yeah, and I would say that the 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 one thing, you know, the first couple of years, so it's probably the same for a coach. Like yeah. if they were a realist, realtor and then they became a coach, mm -hmm. it's like you kind of have to learn what that means. So in my world, it was half hour calls, Yep. right? And so yep. a client would call and it would be, I'm a startup and I'm trying to hire my very first salesperson, what do I do? Then yes. I'd hang up, the next call would be, I'm a medium-sized business, you know, I, I have, uh, you know, $5 million in revenue, I'm stuck here, what do I do? My next call would be, you know, I have 10,000 employees, I have 1,000 sales reps, what do I do? And my next call would be, I have 25,000 sales reps. Yes. In the course of three hours, you'd go from, I'm hiring my first sales uh -huh. rep, all the way to I'm trying to retrain how to social sell 25,000 sales reps. You're literally going into the last questions that I wanna ask you. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna digress for a second, ready? Salesforce. Yes. How did you leave Gartner and go, ended up, we'll close out the loop on the past with Salesforce. Okay. And then I wanna dig deep into the book. So how did you make that transition? Why did you go to work for Salesforce? Well, so th this, is, this, this is the lead out was when I didn't realize, you know, I kind of ran out of the stuff I knew in the first yeah. two years. Okay. Because, right? And yeah. so you have all these calls and all of a sudden you start going, 
I don't have any new content. Like I don't have any new knowledge. Oh yeah. And so I felt really uncomfortable in the advising people because yes. you may be advising someone to do something that's really not a good idea for them, mm-hmm. right? And so you based have, on your own limitations, your own my, lack of right. exposure and experience. That's right. That's huge. Right. Yes. And so by year three, kind of started to find my 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 uh, stride. By year five, I really started turning the corner and coming up with I I, I learned my superpower, yeah, which is looking for patterns in all these data touch points I was having conversations, what I was reading, when I was speaking. And my superpower is to take all those stars mm-hmm. and and create the Big Dipper. Like yeah. I, I learned that yes. that's what my superpower was. Yes, I didn't have to come up with the ideas, but I was absolutely the one who could tell the story of what the impact uh-huh. was. Are those the 10 paths? Did that become the 10 paths? Some of it. Okay. Some of it. And then I'm getting and, ahead of myself yeah, with yeah, the listener but, right and, now. And so once I did that, and then I started kind of really pushing the envelope and people started to call me a thought yes. leader because I don't think it's something you name yourself. No. Right? They no. have to sort of start to say that. And, and as I started to come out with that new sort of research around the future of selling and the impact of digital, um, I really found my stride. And then that's when I became a, a fellow. And that's really where you're sort of, you get to carve a percentage of your time out, really do research yes. and put out some stuff. Yes. Um, and then I felt like, okay, I've been here a decade. I never had done anything for a decade. No. So then I was like, okay, now I'm itchy. I'm itchy to try something new. Mm-hmm. Like, what can I do next? And I and people were saying, I think you have a book in you. Like, oh, yes. Right? And I'm just like, oh, I'm not an academic. I'm not a writer in that way. Yeah. And so uh, Salesforce came and said, hey, we'd love for you to kind of keep doing what you're doing, but we'd love for you to do it for us. Yeah. And it'll give you a very different perspective and platform. And I don't even think they finished the sentence. And I said, yes, right? Because I was like... That's the perfect place for me to go yes. where I can now have these really amazing conversations on the innovation side of companies that are pushing the envelope and using technology to be just better mm-hmm. at experience sales, marketing, you know, and service. And so that was the step. Yeah. Then I had to say, okay, if I'm going to write a book, what am I going to write a book about? Yeah. Right? And so then that was that reflection. I mean, the book is really a combination of 15 years of being a practitioner mm-hmm. and 10 years of watching it. Yeah. Right. I think there is not a, watching, consulting, yeah. carving. You know, but strategy. I did, but, I, but I wasn't you responsible. Yeah, you weren't doing the work. I but wasn't you were, doing the work. Right. But you created the framework for what yes. they had to go execute on. Yes. And I think what makes me unique is that combination of a practitioner and a thinker, mm-hmm. because there are lots of thinkers that yes. have never actually done. True. True. And there are a lot of doers that don't think because they don't have enough time to think. Yep. And so I had this unique combination of these two things, where I'd hear someone go, "Oh, we did this research for three years and we came up with this," and I'd be like, "Yeah." you could have asked me I would have I would have been directionally correct yeah because I've lived it done it seen it yeah um, and I might have only seen it at a very small level like I've never you know I've never run a multi-billion dollar company no mm-hmm. I have not but I've advised them and I've seen divisions small ones big ones and so I've never done that level of, of executive leadership mm-hmm. but I've also sat in those meetings and watched the interaction and watched how teams work and watched yes. how they're effective and you know, while I'm not in it, and I, you know, the the step back actually gives you a very unique perspective. So um, the book I wanted to write when Growth IQ sort of came to fruition was, how do I take the practical and combine it with this academic? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what people have really enjoyed with the book, is yes. it's not dry academia research. No. And, no. and it's not all this, here's my story of how I stood up a company. And, you exactly. Know, so... Because that's not my story. Yeah. The thing, I mean, what I wrote down is there's so much in this book, like just re-reviewing it again before this interview, 
the case studies, just that like, like I'm a huge R&D, like not traditional R&D, rip off and duplicate R&D. Like if she's done it, he's done it, he's done it, I can do it too. Take the essence of what they did, mindset, strategy, techniques, yep. et cetera, and then bring it back to my marketplace. The case studies alone had me angry last night. Just like going through, angry in a, like eustress, like positive stress, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like pissed off, like, we know that. How do we, you know, common sense to common practice, right? Like just doing that. So case studies, action plans. Um, but I think we should talk briefly about the 10 paths. Yes. And then I want to go deep into some coaching. I okay. want to say to you, I'm a startup. Maybe we, let's just do the, I'll give you the three and then you'll just touch on the, the 10 bubbles, right? Okay. So I'm a startup. Yes. I could be a startup in real estate, mortgage, insurance, a tech company. I just opened up my first dry cleaning business, uh, just a startup. Then I'm a stalled growth business. Yes. I have just been plodding along. Yes. I'm doing okay, but I'm not growing anymore, right? Like I'm just stuck. And then I'm the fast growing, but I'm nervous. Yep. Because there's a lot of those right now in our space. They're growing fast, but the, the boogeyman's out there. You know what I mean? Like, what if the market shifts? What if interest rates adjust? What if my three most important people leave and go start their own business? So there's this panic that a lot of people have. So, so maybe speak to startups first. So the, the first thing, and, and you nailed it, was I didn't want to come up with a new concept that people would go, I have to learn something new. Yeah. Right? So I did my homework. And I read, you know, a hundred business books, the best business books that ever been written, kind yeah. of a thing. And yeah. I said, okay, what did they say? What did I like? Yeah. What did they say that I didn't like? Yeah. Did I like the format, the feel? Like I really went mm -hmm. into what did mm -hmm. I like, not like in the book itself yes. and in the content, et cetera. So I said, I'm not gonna reinvent this wheel. No. And so there should not be anything in this book if you've been in business for yeah. any point of time that is some going like, I've never thought of that. Yeah. But what I did was I took concepts that have been around forever. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, in some cases, uh, from a sales model perspective, since NCR, which mm -hmm. is in the late 1800s, literally, like, you know, that taught the whole, like, yep. let's go and do a demo, yeah. <laughs> was started then. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it, and how do I modernize it now with the fact that we have social mobile cloud, big data, AI, machine yep. learning, and all these things. And so it's a modernization of thinking that's been around for a really long time. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. Um, the second thing is, is that I needed it to be digestible. So the 10 paths are, someone's going to go, this path, like you've probably read the book mm -hmm. a couple of times. At a year ago when you read it, that path was probably much more relevant to you. Where today when you read it, you're going to go, that path is more relevant. And that was the point. I always wanted it to be something that would be a reference back to. Exactly. And it's not a book you need to read from start to finish. It is a book that you say, that's me. Yes. Go to it. There's value in reading it because I think you no you might not be aware, but yeah. I don't disagree yeah. that if you had to, yeah. you could read the beginning and yeah. then go pick the path that's most relevant to you. Yeah. And unlike a lot of books, it's super actionable, right? It's like, it's very transparent and clear. This is what I have. If this is my problem, this is what I need to do. Am I losing clients? This is how you solve it. Am I not getting enough clients? This is how you solve it. Is the customer experience wrong? Your product wrong, right? All that stuff. And then this is what you do. Yeah, and I, I think behind that was the fact that I am a visual listen learner, not a read learner. Yeah. So the book is laid out for someone like me who's yeah. mm, a little tough to keep my attention. Yeah. Right. So I had to float between image and underlines, and there was it was yep. very specific, yeah. so that someone didn't have to read a whole page. Yep. I will have helped them say, here's the. If you're just going to look at the this page look at the underline and keep going you're literally gonna see like <laughs> underlined and italics <laughs> like okay forget all this stuff just read that yeah. you got it move, move, on. move on right that's right? what i love about it and then at the end it. of the chapter it's like the key takeaways yes so if you really don't want to read the chapter 
Just read the key takeaways. Just read the key takeaways, right? <laughs> but ultimately, that was uh, that that was the thought, yeah. right? And so um, now, going back to what you said, yeah. th- I had to come up with something that made this more than just ten paths. Yes. And so to answer the startup question, mm-hmm. um, there's sort of the the three foundational pillars of the whole concept behind Growth IQ because mm-hmm. the the concept is that growth is a thinking game. Yep. You have to outthink your competition. Yes. Okay. Yes. So if that is in fact the case not the EQ side, the Mm -hmm. IQ side, Mm -hmm. is know the context of the market you're going after. And context for me is anything that's happening externally. So interest rates, regulations, you know, anything that may be Brexit, GDPR. What price range is moving? What price range isn't moving? Where is there too much competition? Where is there exploitable opportunities, yes. right? Like it's it's addressing what is the market, Yes. right? In so detail. context, yeah. right? So context is the first place to start. Yeah. And if you don't know the answer to the context, mm-hmm. how can you ever make a decision of what your next move is? Bingo. Now, I don't want you to do analysis paralysis, and no. I don't want you to benchmark your competition because you're and I can get into that in mm-hmm. a little bit, but benchmarking competition, even so that kind of, you know, they are not you. Yeah. You are not them. Mm-hmm. Their people are not your people. Their customers are not your customers. Mm-hmm. Their neighborhood is not your neighborhood. Yeah. Like, right? I mean, yeah. so there's enough difference. There's a little lessons yeah, you can learn yeah, from it. There's little lessons, but do not yeah. try to duplicate. Yeah. I'm not a fan. Yeah. Yeah. And so the context is really important. Mm-hmm. The second thing out of this was it isn't one growth path. No. A company is, if ever, I haven't found one, that they're just on one. Mm-hmm. Because you'd always have to worry about experience and you'd always have to sell well, which is optimized sales, which those are two paths that I think are in every one of them, right? Yep. Because you want to deliver a great employee and customer experience and you want to sell. Mm-hmm. I mean, businesses mm-hmm. do two things. We make yeah. stuff, we sell stuff, yeah. right? And you may not build the house, but mm-hmm. you know someone did and they need to sell it, right? Yeah. And you're just the conduit to do that. So ultimately, uh, the second was this combination of paths. Mm-hmm. And then the third one, which I think was the most uh, important lesson that I learned in, in doing the book, because what I did was I sort of became this anthropologist of growth. Sure. I deconstructed what companies did and looked for mm-hmm. the patterns, yeah. was the sequence in which you do things. Give us an example. So I'm going to use Netflix. Mm-hmm. When Netflix Netflix launched in the United States, mm-hmm. if they had started in streaming and bypassed mail order, would they have been successful? No, because there was not enough broadband. Not enough context yeah. wasn't right. Yeah. Wasn't yep. enough broadband. It yep. was too expensive. Yep. Not everyone had a smartphone at their yep. hand. Yep. There was, streaming was not what was going on. No. It was still very expensive. Mm-hmm. But there was a DVD player or a VHS Bingo. in everyone's house because yep. Blockbuster had proven yep. that that worked. Yep. But what Blockbuster had also proven was the fact that people didn't like late fees, they didn't like going where there wasn't the movie they wanted, yep. and uh, they didn't necessarily like the experience, mm-hmm. right? So they said, well, if we can fix the pain points and yet still deliver the product that they were looking for. The job to be done is, I want a movie at home with my family. That was the job to be done. Now, Blockbuster had tried streaming. Context wasn't right. Right, so they- Context and timing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so they abandoned it. And then Netflix, they went to mail order and then they went to streaming. Yeah. And people might be surprised to know that that Netflix still has about 800,000 customers that still get DVDs in the mail. Yeah. And it's the most profitable part of their business. And so what does that fund and fuel? Original content. Bingo. Right? So you put those two things together. Now, Netflix then moves out of the United States and it's a number of years later mm-hmm. where there is bandwidth. Yeah. So do I start in London with mail order or no. do I start streaming? 100% streaming. Start streaming. Yeah. So that's what I mean by sequence. 
right? And so sequence is important based on the context. Yep. You make the right decision based on who your customers are. Uh, et cetera. It's, you know, in real estate specifically, you'd almost go, like I was just in Denver um, this past weekend. And for any of you who have ever flown into Denver, that airport's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yep. And then you got to drive 45 minutes to get into the city. Now they have a train, yep. which takes 45 minutes. But now the Gaylord Hotel has opened mm -hmm. five minutes from the airport, yep. which is a huge convention hall. And now you see all the land around the Gaylord is up for sale, yep. right? And so, if you were thinking sequence would have been, as a developer, mm -hmm. I know that eventually people are not going to want to drive in, and Denver's going to yep. say we need to put start putting some stuff out there, yep. right? So then you go, if I were a betting person and I wanted to make a ten or twenty year bet, yep. I know that the sequence, the timing is right now because the anchor mm -hmm. of that particular industry yes. close to the airport yeah. is starting to show itself, right? Now it's a ten or twenty year bet, but. But if you it's, listen, it's a winning bet for every person listening. Think about it in, in the like in the real estate business. Maybe it would be let buyers finance your listing learning curve, so it's easier to find buyers and easier to work buyers, right? So you start there, and you might start in a lower price range, and then work your way up. Uh, if you go direct to you know to going after listings, right? Maybe you're first starting with your sphere, and then you're going to go naturally extend to maybe geographic farm. Then might, it might be expired listings or open houses. So there, everyone listening is getting like there's a lot of value in what you're saying right now, like. What is the most natural path for me and my market for me to grow? And and in really that that is that is when you are sitting down uh, and planning. Yes. Or working with your coach. Yep. Right. It's those moments in time where you go, what am I trying to accomplish? Mm -hmm. And whoever that you know target buyer is or market is. One, what's the product? How do they want to buy? How do yep. they want to be engaged with, right? And and ever since I, I participated in your event, it's interesting mm -hmm. how much real estate businesses sort sure. of you know come oh, yes. my way and questions yes. have come my way, yeah. right? And so I've been asked to go and speak at little you know offices around the area in, really? in Los Angeles, and you know I did the, um, uh, yeah. So it, it, anyway, so what's interesting in that is is the fact that I get asked a lot of. Like I know that it needs to be digital, yeah. yet my clients still want to see their house in the Sunday paper, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And how do I get them past and over that hump? Yes. And, and it's like, well, is that the right spend on the money? Can you prove it to them that mm -hmm. if they go this other route, um, you know, will you be more successful? Yeah. Uh, and so, and, and many realtors have been doing this for a really long time. And so mm -hmm. it's partially internal inertia of like, yep. they have to change behavior, yes. but they have to also coach their customers to change behavior. Yep. Um, and so that's something you just have to overcome. Yep. Um, but ultimately uh, that's sort of the mass. Yeah. At the high end on the realtors, here's what I say, or what I hear mm -hmm. is, they'll be like, I have 10 clients yes. or 20 clients, mm -hmm. like, and they're just my regular clients. Yes. And like all this stuff, it's all relationship. It's not gonna yes. end up in some CRM system. Yeah. I don't have to digitally and socially go do all this and all that. And so that's the outliers. I would actually say that's the stalled growth person. Could be because some of them are, you know, hitting know. it out of the park, right? I know, I know. And I, I, we know a bunch of the same people. So it's, we, we see that. And yet the person that's got the, this, I work my sphere, yes. right? Is missing so many other opportunities, so many other natural pathways to client success, whether acquisition or, or whatever. Um, but, okay, so I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, but you know, and, and so I'd say from a startup, context yeah. is first. Yep. What your goal is is sort of second. Yep. And I would also say, what kind of business do you want to build? Because yeah. Yeah. not all growth is good growth. I love that part. One, mm -hmm. two, mm -hmm. 
you may just want a lifestyle business. Bingo. And if, if you're a startup and it's like, I just want to have enough to like, you know, run my family, put my kids mm -hmm. through school. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to go mm -hmm. and chase. Like, you know, I want to do yeah. five or 10 deals a year. Yeah. And that's very different than someone that's trying to get to hyper growth. Correct. And so initially you need to make a decision of what kind of company you want to yeah. build. And that decision, you know, has implications to then if you decide at some point you yeah. want to put your foot on the gas, then you have to change things. Yes. Sometimes that's harder to yeah. do once you've sort of, you know, worked your way in. So as a startup, I'd say, you know, not all growth is good growth. Not all companies want hyper growth. Mm -hmm. Some just want a lifestyle business and that's all okay. Exactly. As long as you don't make yourself or your income or, or your lifestyle wrong, right? Because you can turn it on and off in this business relatively quickly, 120 days and you could be in real fast growth. Yep, and, and you can be not, Yeah. right? And so I think, you know, when people, uh, talk to coaches or figure mm -hmm. out what they want to do. It's really like, what what kind of business do you want to build? Yeah. Do you want to be an individual contributor who works at a mm -hmm. broker? Do you want to have mm -hmm. a team? Yeah. Do you want to break out and start your own brokerage? Yeah. Like, what do you want? Yeah. What do you want? And there's examples of success all over the place in this industry where, where people have said, I want to stay as a broker and be a high performer in a broker mm -hmm. and let the broker sort of yeah. you know, facilitate my growth and yeah. give me access to and be one of the top performers. Yeah. You have others who have said, I've worked for a brokerage and I'm going to spin out and be my own brokerage and yeah. have hit it out of the park because yeah. I want to have more control over my growth. Yes. Then you have others that are just, I like being an agent in a brokerage and that's all good. There's no, I, I want to just no be clear, answer. there's no wrong answer. There's no but, wrong answer. But again, I think the key, the key, and you're so on point with this, it is what do you want? And then what is the context, right? What's happening in the marketplace? And then, and then creating your path. So yeah, let's, and, and sometimes people don't know what they want. That's a big question. Oh, I would say the vast majority of people, even, even like a lot of great people are listening right now. Like if I said to you right now, write, write down, what is your most important goal for the year? Some people will stall and pause and go, uh, Oh, I want to sell 50 homes, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's not, it's not permanently yeah. at the top of their mind all the time. Cause we're just, we're a distracted society. Yeah, but we also don't stuff. take the time. True. We don't take the time. To and get I think really clear on it. To get really clear on it. And it doesn't mean that it's in stone and it can't change. Yes. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, my twenties were very different than my thirties were very mm -hmm. different than my forties and have been very different than my fifties. And mm -hmm. to your very first question, yeah. who would have ever thought a girl from Hawaii in yeah. the middle of the Pacific would end up being able to be as blessed and fortunate as I yeah. have to do what I get to do every day. There's no way I could have known that this was my path. Yeah. No way. Yeah. And only did the path start to kind of show itself mm -hmm. when I was more open to see it. Yes. So it's, it's, it's a huge, point in all of this. We can spend a lot of time just on that. Like what has always impressed me with you is you're just like, let's learn, let's take it on. Like what, it, what is it? Tell me more about it, right? You're, there's so many people that, you know, that the wonderful book, um, uh, The Growth Mindset by Dr. Carol Dweck, yep. right? She's like in the fourth grade, people either become fixed and start to hide yes. or growth, tell yes. me more, I don't understand, yes. I want to learn, right? Yes. They, they accept that risk. You clearly are just massive growth mindset. Yes. Where did that come from? Yeah, and, and so, and this is one of the things uh, for the coaches listening that I learned as an analyst is um, we can't just believe everything we say for advice because it yeah. doesn't always work for yeah. everybody, right? 100%. Because remember, their context is not your context. Bingo. Their experience is not your experience. Mm -hmm. So anybody that is advising anybody, you have to, if you're not with a growth mindset, you're in the wrong business. Because 100%. if you're so fixed to not learn, mm -hmm. you know, there's no way. I mean, I'm in an industry that is innovating daily, 
I yes. mean, daily, yes. right? And so keeping up with the fourth industrial revolution, the other day I was in Stockholm at an event and they said, maybe we're on the cusp of the fifth industrial revolution. I'm like, oh my God, we haven't even absorbed the fourth, which yes. for those of you listening, it's sort yes. of this digitizing of business. Uh-huh. The World Economic Forum yes. started talking about it. And so could we even be at the fifth? Yes. And so then it's like, so what do I do on my flight home? I download everything about the fifth and the conversations around the fifth and is it really coming? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Who are, who's saying what? Yeah. What do I believe? What's my point of view? Yes. What's, and so if whatever it is that you do, whatever you do on a daily basis, I am absolutely, I believe in two things. One, be a student of whatever your profession is, mm-hmm. always learning. Yep. And two, you have to trust the process. Bingo. Right. Those two things for me have just proven, but in my 30s, I wouldn't have told you that. Yeah. I would have told you how much money can I make and how quickly can I make it? And and we've got we've got the whole range of everybody <laughs> right? listening right then, now. There's some it, of those, right? man. Some right? of the people and then in my forties, it was like I got you know. Yeah. And then I sort of found what yeah. my superpower was. Yeah. And then when I found that, then it's like, do I double down on that? Yeah. And my decision was to double down on that. Smart. Um, I could have resisted it and said, no, I want to keep doing this. And many people still come back and go, hey, run this, be our sales leader, come back and get in the grind and yeah. run a division. And I'm like. I don't think that's my path because yeah. I get this opportunity. Like in the last two weeks, I've been in front of 10,000, 12,000 people. Yes. You know, and so I have a much broader ability to have, if I can just influence a handful yes. of the 12,000, right? Or the people that read the book or listen to mm-hmm. these podcasts or mm-hmm. listen to my podcast, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's that's the path for me right now. And maybe, maybe that'll change. But right now, I feel like that's the right one. I love it. Okay, let's talk about... Uh, you stalled. talk a lot in the book, yeah, stalled growth, yep. right? So give give your, like, what is stalled growth? What are the signs of stalled growth? And then what do they do about it? Yeah, so this was, for me, I feel like growth is getting harder. Like, mm-hmm. I believe sales is getting harder because the market I is agree. getting much more crowded. Yep. And so I would say to you that in, in looking at the statistics that I, I call out in the book, that there's... It's like 85 or something percent of the companies are smaller than $5 million. Like the bulk of companies are small. Yep. And of those, a very large percentage will hit a growth stall at some point in their history, meaning that they're just not growing. Yep. So flat. Plateauing, yep. They're just flat. Yep. So it's not you're in negative growth mode, but Mm -hmm. you're flat. And Mm -hmm. so when you start... The canary in the coal mine is when it starts to slow down, are you anticipating 18 months from now, I guarantee you, you're going to be in a full-blown growth stall. Yep. And so the things you start to change now will have an impact. You know, Jeff Bezos says it all the time. If I have a good quarter, the reason mm-hmm. I have a good quarter is because of the decisions I made three years ago. Bingo. Not because of the decisions I've made today. Yep. So, you know, if you're a realtor, that do, is you, so do you have profound. an app? You, you just... You just you can't stand an app up right away. So you, you always want to get where your customers are going and mm-hmm. welcome them when they show up. Yeah. And so the decisions you make today is going to be a little bit ahead. I don't need you to be Bezos. I don't mm-hmm. need you to be Steve Jobs. Yep. I don't need you to be my CEO, yeah. Mark Benioff. Yeah. I just need you to be 18 months ahead. So yeah. the decisions you make today have impact a year, 18, 24 months out. And if you're, if you're stuck in a growth stall, the decisions, let's just say in this quarter, I'm yeah, using quarters, sure. right? In this quarter, it'd be very difficult for you to turn it around in quarter. Yep. I mean, unless all of a sudden you're at a dinner party and four people go, oh my God, I want to sell my house. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. And it's really expensive and I'm going to low price it. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, and it I'm going to pay you 5%. Happen. No. And you, and you know what? You can have the sell and the buy. You can get both sides yeah. of the deal. Like, it, you know. <laughs> it takes 120 days on average just to go from a lack of momentum into some form of momentum, right? Because the calls I'm, even in, like in our world, the calls I make today they're really going to maybe do something within the next four to six months. Yeah, and what, right? but, so but you but keeping that about, in context. What's tough about real estate yeah. is 
so I bought my house, which yeah. I shared it, right? I bought yeah. my house in 99. Yep. So I've not gone and bought another house, no. even though Lori's my best friend. Yep. And whenever I buy a house again, she's my realtor, yep. as everybody knows that was yep. in your audience, yes. right? Yes, yes. But I'm a 20-year sales cycle. Yeah. So I'm just now going, hmm, I might want to sell my house. Yep. Right? So, I'm gonna, yep. and so I called her, and then she gets all excited. But then, of course, I don't really mean it because yeah. then I have no time to do it. Yeah. But ultimately, that's a 20-year sales cycle. Yep. So this is an industry that's very unique. It's a mm -hmm. big ticket. It mm -hmm. might be a once-in-a-lifetime buy. Yep. You know, And so it's always but about— But if you do it right with the experience, the referrals are yes. unbelievable. And if you're sitting there listening right now, and you're like, but I'm not getting referrals. You missed the first part. If the experience is unbelievable, the referrals flow. Yeah. And so so I would say to you, like, if I was just going to mm -hmm. stand up a—you know, I wanted to become a realtor, and I came to you, Tom, and mm -hmm. I said— I want to sell 50, 50 houses. Yep. Like that's my goal. Yep. How long do you think it would take me from day one? Like, let's make the assumption I yeah. passed the real estate yeah, test. Yeah. So which let's, is, let's say which you, is another question. You, you have your license. I could, inside of our hub, reverse engineer the math. The the challenges. The math is the easy part. The plan, the tactics, the strategy, the schedule. That's the easy part. The who are you? What is your real ambition? What is your willingness to work? Are you going to complain about how hard it is? So it could, some people do it in a year, very, very, very small percentage. Most, it takes them seven to 10 years to get to that level, right? Just because of all the, all the growth they have to go through as a human being, as a business person, maturing in the business, understanding the market, understanding customers, all the stuff you're writing about in the book. Yep. It takes time. That's why I said trust the process. Yeah. Yeah. You, you just got to trust the process. 100%. And so even that's even making your five calls today to your database and nobody's interested, but making the five calls today and doing it every day for the entire year, that's trusting the process. I say you shake a tree somewhere an apple's going to fall. Yeah, and and when I would and I would say mm -hmm. and so is it still five calls? Yeah. Is it the ad in the newspaper? Yeah. Yeah. Is it five posts? Yeah. Is it three calls and two posts? Yeah. Is it 20 tweets and yeah. one video on YouTube? Yeah. Is yeah. it, you know, right? The answer is all the above. All of the above. Yeah. And so uh, I, I think if you are in a growth stall, the, the unfortunate reality is the canary was telling you 18 months ago. Yes. Or a year ago. And you weren't paying attention. Yep. And so that, that happens on both sides, both positive and negative. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, uh, you know, Oprah said on her show one day that you get these whispers in your life mm -hmm. and then it becomes from a whisper it becomes sort of a smack on the head and then yep. becomes you know a baseball bat and then it becomes a brick on your head and then you sign to go oh I need to change I need to do something yeah. either good or bad right yeah. and so writing the book mm -hmm. was it was a whisper it was a whisper people were whispering and whispering and then finally like it dropped on my head right yeah. and 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 one of your you know, people that you admire who ended up writing a quote on the cover of my book was the brick on the top of my head. Yeah. Like Seth Godin pulled me aside and said, you have to write this book. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this is the last, this is the last. Like if you were thinking about buying the book and you understand who <laughs> Seth Godin is, you should buy 10 copies of this book. Yeah. Cause I mean, that was a, when you told me that I was like, Seth is like one of my heroes, like Which is why I said genius. That. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. So ultimately yeah. that, that, so the, yeah. so I'm going to go back to what I was just saying yeah. that You've hit a growth stall yep. that there's been whispers. Yep. And now the growth stall is the brick. Yep. And so, so you weren't paying attention. So tell me the three things I have to do. I'm in a growth stall. What do I do? So I would do, well, you just said it. Mm -hmm. I would reverse engineer what got me into it. Like what yep. has, what has changed? Yeah. 
Has the context of the market changed? Yep. Have my top three referral sources moved mm. out of the state? Yes. Like what has yeah. changed? What marketing is working? What marketing is not working? What's the addressable market? What are the opportunities I'm not exploiting? It's all of that stuff. All of that stuff, yeah. right? And I, I'm not a fan of annual planning mm -hmm. because in your space specifically, things can change so quickly. Yes. The interest rate can change one day yep. and things fall apart. It did right? this year. Or, you know, there's a, you know, there's the fear of, you know, shutting down borders or there's mm -hmm. Brexit mm -hmm. where that may be stopping international investments into Huge California in as, a, as, a, as an example, mm -hmm. or things that are going on in China, which is another very large investment engine mm -hmm. for us in real estate yes. in Southern California. Yes. Um, and so those kinds of things changing, mm -hmm. um, you have to keep up on it. Yeah. And so my piece of advice would be not only the coaching, right? Mm -hmm. But carve in an hour or two every mm -hmm. single week mm -hmm. to do a touch base on the context. Yeah. Are the interest rates the same? Is that like, ask yourself five questions, mm -hmm. whatever those five are or yeah. 10, whatever it is. Yeah. And so just every day, it's sort of like an affirmation every morning when you wake up and you look yeah. in the mirror, yeah. you go through your affirmations. Yes. Like, I want you to do it on your business every week and affirm those contexts. Yes. Are these things all still the same? Great, let's go. I can tell you the four things that our coaches are doing with our clients, right? Okay. Number one, where are we in relationship to our goal and how did we get here, right? That's number one, always. And we do annual planning, but then we yep. go monthly, quarterly. Yep. Number two is business intelligence, right? Tell me about what's happening inside the market with the numbers, the analysis of the last 90 yep. days of performance, yep. right? What price points are moving, what price points aren't, and then your numbers the last 90 days. Your call to contact, leads, appointments, conversion, yep. all of that. Then number three is, let's talk sales and marketing. What are we adding? What's working, what's not working, right? So it's all sales, marketing, lead generation, top of the funnel, bottom of the funnel, the whole experience. And then the last one is, what systems are we putting in place in the last 90 days and then moving forward in the next 90 days to stabilize our growth and make sure that you're buying time and freedom for yourself. And and it seems like those four things, and I, I didn't frame them in a question, yeah, but I yeah. want to give you context. Yeah. Like all of my clients, that's what they're experiencing all the time from their coaches. So I yeah. like all of them. Give me a fifth. Well, so I would say that those are the, that's the hard stuff that's easy. Yes. Because they're numbers. Yep. Yep. It's the soft stuff that's hard. Yep. That you can't the measure. The qualitative versus the quant. 100%. Okay. Yeah. So, so what's the question? So what's the question? Have you asked your customers what great experience they've had lately outside of real estate? Yeah, yes. Was it at a restaurant? Yes. Was it at a spa? Was it at a hotel? Was mm -hmm. it at an airline? Like what, yes. what experience did you have lately? And could you replicate that in your yeah. business? Yeah. Are your, what did they, why did they choose to buy from you? Could mm -hmm. you answer that question? Yeah. Well, the top three reasons why people buy from me are da 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 da, and yep. not what you think they no. are. In your customers' words. In your customers' words. Yep. And so, do you feel comfortable going and doing that on your own? Yep. Or do you hire someone yep. to go survey your customers? Yes. Customers who bought from you once, yep. bought from you multiple times, bought from you, and then didn't do it again and, and went to another agent, because mm -hmm. you know they went to another yep. agent. Why? why? Yeah. Or someone who you didn't get a listing, yeah. why didn't they choose you? Yep. That's the soft stuff. And for me right now, 
that's the hardest. Yeah. All my elite and team plus clients that are listening to this, we just did this exercise in February. We need to be surveying our, like kind of, I was talking net promoter score, yep. right? Like how referable are you? Yes. And then I was what gonna is use NPS, but that's always tough, right? Yeah. Because yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's basically just how referable are you for the person that's listening right now? Like how referable are you? On a scale of one to 10, yeah, scale of one, one to 10, question. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Right? How it, likely are you to, to refer? refer. <laughs> that's it. Scale of one to 10. And when you get an eight, nine, and 10, we both know what that means. Everything less than that basically sucks shit, right? That's the only way to describe it. Yep. Like you, you have to have an eight, nine, or 10. The backup question that we gave them was, what was it about the service I provided that made you feel this way? Yes. Right, trying to get into the the more like yeah, how, I, what did I do? I don't know what was if, the experience? I don't know if we can do that as an individual. Could yeah. I sit across from you and be like, oh, no, all yeah. in, all in like Survey Monkey? Yeah, but remember, right? yeah. not everyone's going to sit at Survey Monkey and you know and answer those questions. Yeah. And they may go be like, oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings, yes. or you know. Oh, yeah, you know yeah, so yeah. there's all that, yes. right? Yeah. But is there a way where you can really get to the heart of of it, yeah. and maybe even go to you know other people in the office? who are really successful or have been doing this a while mm -hmm. and maybe saying, hey, can I, can I talk to your customers? Yeah. And, I, and not to take yeah. them, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I wanna know why they do business with you. Like yes. what, what is it about yeah. you? Yeah. Not because I want them, but because I aspire- I'll survey them and I'll give you all the data. I just wanna R&D. Yeah. I want to know what you're the most successful person in the office. Yeah. That would freak a bunch of the most successful people out. But like the the ones that are really smart would go, yeah, survey my clients. Let me see what you're going to do. And then let's play with that. Because the data is where the, that's that's where all the joy is for your marketing ventures moving forward. That's what gets you out of stall growth. Yeah. And I read a book by uh, Sally Hogshead many years ago yeah. on trying to find out who, what, what I am and what I'm known for. Yeah. That's really sort of her whole yeah. philosophy. So yes. I'm a maestro for any of you who have done this, yes. right? And what I did was I went and I read through hundreds of emails of people mm -hmm. who gave me feedback after mm -hmm. I left stage. Yep. And I found the four or five words that were consistently used. Yeah. So I then made that my LinkedIn profile, my Twitter profile, 100%. my Facebook, right? You know? And so I wanted their words to tell me sort of what I yep. was. And so, you know, maybe your high performers are not going to let another high performer walk in and like mm -hmm. go and survey their people. Yes. But if you're a high performer, Mm -hmm. And you're really comfortable and confident with mm -hmm. your clients and your customers yeah. and your business. Yes. Like, what's the harm yeah. in paving forward for the next generation? Exactly. Right? I mean, giving back is, you know, what it's all about. Yeah. And so uh, I'm not saying to everyone, I'm not saying give them your secret sauce. Like, no. Right? But what is it about you that people really like? Yeah. Right? And, yeah. and, and if it's one thing can help yeah. someone else to be successful, you know, going back to you should feel proud that when mm -hmm. they make it to club or they make it to the 1% club, yep. you know, for realtors or they're named as the top performer for the month, you yep. can be like, way to go. Yeah. Way to go. The good news is the vast majority of you are listening if you're in the real estate space, you can read uh, Zillow publishes an annual consumer guide. So does the National Association of Realtors. And I, I literally, I get these things. I cover them. I read them from beginning to end. I turn them into 50 or 60 slides and say, guys, this is what consumers are saying. Yeah. Here's a new concept. Give the people what they want, yeah. right? Like, stop trying to do it your way. Give the customer what you what they want, and you're gonna win. Yeah, there's a there's a there's actually a stat in the book that came from um, Bain and Company, it was a big consulting firm yes. that they said that uh, I'm gonna average it, but an average of ninety percent of businesses mm -hmm. um, that find it challenging to replicate mm -hmm. uh, profitable growth, mm -hmm. it's because of internal inertia, not external factors. Yeah. 
And so the internal inertia in this example that you're mm-hmm. talking about mm-hmm. is us, yes. like as individuals. Yes. And so for me, the backbone of corporate growth is personal growth. And so mm-hmm. you have to, like if you wake up every day and you're comfortable, I'm looking at my guys right now. You are taking the easy path. You are taking the easy path. Like you got to wake up and get uncomfortable. Like, what do you mean I need to do YouTube video? What do you mean I need to go and, you know, ask my customers what they think? What do you mean I need to go and read these reports? And like, that's uncomfortable for me. I don't like it. Perfect. That's what you need to do today. But again, remember growth versus like that that growth mindset versus fixed mindset. Like the fixed mindset, they they epitomize being stalled out. Okay. Let's, let's do the last one. Okay. I'm fast growing, I'm high growth, but I'm nervous all the time. Yes. What do we do with that person? Well, you know, I I think ultimately um, maintaining real hyper growth is hard. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's- How many years in a row should you be able to do it? Well, it depends. I mean, you know, I happen to work for one of the fastest growing software companies of all time and we're, you know, piling it up and- Yeah we're expected to continue to pile it up, but yeah. you know, but yes. we all work really hard. Yeah. Um, we love what we do, but we work very hard. And mm-hmm. so I, I think that it is all about going back to what do you want? Mm-hmm. You know, if you are really trying to build a business that's doubling every year or doubling every other year, mm-hmm. um, is it because you want to set yourself up to be sold? Is it because you want to leave it to your kids? Like yep. what's the goal of yeah. that? And do you need to be grind unless you're publicly traded? I mean, yeah. that's a different conversation. That's, but yeah. if you're a private company, it's like that's your own self-pressure and that's your own self-talk. Yep. And so uh, I'm not a fan of burning out. I yep. mean, I think that we are in a in a time right now where you can burn out really quickly. Mm-hmm. And so I would say, is this the kind of growth I want? Um, more importantly, I'd say, are the people who work for you happy? Yes. Because you aspire to have double growth, mm-hmm. do they want to work that hard? Is that what they want to do? Yeah. And your customers will only be as happy as your employees. Yeah. So you need to make sure you're taking care of your people. If you're going to push that hard, then have fun too. Yeah. You know, if you're going to push that hard, they're all rowing for you. Ultimately, mm-hmm. give them a part of the company. Yeah. Like, you know, what can you do to make sure that it's fostering a culture yeah. that is able to maintain in a healthy way that kind of growth? Um, because you don't want people burning out. You don't want it to be that people don't like their job. No. You don't want it to be that you're that kind of leader that you're just, you know, the expectation is so ridiculous every single day. I mean, that's just, just not a good thing. Yeah. And yet Bezos and others seem to pull that off. Well, but you... And I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm yeah, just saying, just sitting here thinking, because we think of so many other leaders that have like created these amazing cultures and then some just are just notorious for being grinders. But ultimately, uh, if you look at at those that are high performing right Mm now, um, they're also surrounded by people who are super talented and picking up the load, right? This is not a, you know, sort of business and growth is not a solo sport, right? And so you'd say, well, you know, in in some companies, it's not that person. That's just the person everyone leans on. But there's lot of people making that happen. Exactly. And you have to empower the people. I mean, yep. Steve Jobs was very famous for saying, I'm going to hire people that are smarter than I and yep. let them do what they do. Yep. Like, why would I want to micromanage yeah, them? Exactly. Why'd I hire them? Yeah. Right. And many people always thought that he was just a, just an, a jerk mean, but he did. He hired amazing people and, and sort of, this you know, is listen, what I want to help me make it happen. Yeah. You know, and having such a eye for detail mm-hmm. on and knowing what you want. Yeah. Um, you know, then it comes down to the soft skills of, of how do you yeah. 
manage people? Do yeah. you need to manage them with the stick or can you manage them because you've inspired them? And I think, you know, there are some managers that are able to do both and mm -hmm. get the best out of people with a little bit of hard love, you know, tough love and, yeah. a, and a lot of inspiration. But I think for anybody, you know, listening who has a team or people who work for them, like it's your job to be the storytellers. Yep of what you want your people to do. 100%. And you have to inspire them to show up every day and not feel like this is a paycheck, it's a grind, I'm just looking for my next gig. Yep. Like I'm gonna stay here until, like that's not what you want. No. You want people going, I would run through fire for this person. Yes. And when they're out at a cocktail party, they're actually looking for leads for you. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. Like you yes. want that person. Yeah. Yeah. And and you want them to aspire to go, I wanna become a realtor. Yeah. And I wanna work on your, I wanna, I wanna be you. Like yeah. I wanna, you, that's what you want, right? Yeah. And so, um, I think that's where uh, you, you really, as people who have the ability to um, shape kind of the next generation, yeah. you, you have to take that opportunity to do what's right. It's interesting. They're all decisions, right? Yeah. The first one is all decisions. Understanding well, the market. Well, that's why growth is a thinking you, game. Exactly. And then the second one is all about the decisions you made maybe 18 months ago. Yes. And are you listening to the whisper? And the third one is all decisions around people. Yes. Right? People, people, people. Yeah, and Tom Peters, uh, who I'm a huge fan of, yeah. uh, he wrote In Search of Excellence, um, and he's working on a one-pager right now on just uh, sort of employee excellence, and it's like, you know, be excellent in the next five minutes, he's, mm -hmm. you know? And, wow. he, and he talks about management by wandering around. Yep. And so I'm a huge fan of really striving for excellence, and mm -hmm. his excellence is all about that employee. It's all about the people. It's yeah. all about people first. Yeah. Um, it's all about making sure as leaders that you pay attention to the people, mm -hmm. and things will follow behind that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I, you know, for anyone um, listening to this that wants to sort of understand what that means, mm -hmm. like be excellent in the next five minutes and take that 90 seconds and talk to somebody on a team that, you know, you maybe don't talk to on a regular basis mm -hmm. and just touch base with them, make sure they're okay and they're yeah. happy and everything's good and can you do anything? And, exactly. um, you know, it, it goes a long way. Yeah. So. Okay. We could do this for about seven more hours. Yes. This has been really like, I'm, I mean, I've read the book. You all should buy the book immediately. Um, did you do an audio? I did. Okay, so I've not done the audio yet. I'm gonna get the audio next. Yes, the did audio. You, did you do the audio? I did, did you do hire the, okay. No, 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 I did the audio. Oh, cool. Yep, I did the audio and it was uh, it was like 41 hours of recording for <laughs> for nine hours and 10 minutes. Yes. Yeah, for nine hours yes. and 10, at, at a normal speed. You can get it down a little bit. If you mm -hmm. if you uh, speed it up, yeah. But the things you miss in the audio is yeah. you miss the underlines, you miss the sketch notes, you miss the subtleties of all the work I put into the format of the book. So yeah. many people have listened to the audio, yeah. and then have bought the book, smart, and, and then then they like then they get much more yeah, out yeah, of it, yeah. or they do yes. the reverse, yeah. Um, and it's on you know Kindle as well, and and and. Uh, and, and now it's gone international. So now it's in the UK and the Commonwealth and it's on its way Congrats. to uh, Spain and Portugal and uh, Vietnam and uh, Poland and, uh, am I missing something? China. <laughs> Your publishing company's like, yeah. we're going here and here and yeah. here. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you, Congrats. thanks. I mean, this is like first book. And first book, knocked it yeah. Out of the park. Uh, uh, Wall Street Journal bestseller and 800 CEO read book um, up for book of strategy and management for the year. And I lost to Brene Brown, but you know if you're going to lose to anybody, that's a good one to lose. That's a good too. one to lose to. Yeah. Um, her Dare to Lead is a great book. Another yes. great example of mm -hmm. you know really how to be a leader that inspires uh, yeah. uh, you to really move forward. And she's fantastic. Um, so you know ultimately, I'd say. Uh, I'm pleased with the book and it's interesting to get all the feedback now. Yeah. 
Like yeah, yeah. now that it's out there, yep. you know, you start to hear what really resonated with people, what stories they really liked. Yes. Things I might have missed. Sure. Um, giving or can as many... you tell us more about this or yeah. go, you know, amplify yeah. that? And, yeah. And because I do so much keynoting and mm -hmm. I get so much feedback, mm -hmm. you know, the, the thought process of it is always evolving. So yeah. this has become this platform for sort of yep. what I'm talking about now. Yes. Um, while the book is a great foundation to do that, it's, it's definitely not everything I'm talking about. Yeah, same thing with every one of my books. It's the same exact, you write it, you spend all that time, research, writing, creating, and then you finish it and you're like, okay, then you go do the first talk, Yeah. right? And you're like, wait a minute, hold on, new distinction, yeah. right? Also check this oh, out, yeah, or my, here's what's my, happening in the market very, right now. Yeah, my very first interview on, uh, and my team would know this, like on, on, on MSNBC yeah. um, with JJ Ramberg um, was terrible, it was awful, it was horrible. Like, you know, if you wanna ask me about like innovation and sure. what's going on with technology and how companies are growing, but then like to be put on the spot for in two minutes saying, what was the book about? I like. Oh my God. I did so many of those radio interviews. I hated all of oh, them. Well, this was TV. Yeah, oh, and so, that's, yeah, oh, that's oh, worse. Worse, that's right? Good. And so literally I like called my team and I'm like, oh my God, like that was so bad. It was so, so bad. You're like, write me five sound bites. <laughs> I just need to go, this is tweetable. Bam, bam, but bam. I did, but I did have them. Yeah. The problem is, is that it wasn't natural for me, right? And oh, so yeah. I hadn't found the, okay. the I hadn't rhythm. found the rhythm, the rhythm of, right? And so going back to, you know, how do you knock on someone's door? How do you yeah. get them to answer the phone? Yes. Or like, you've got to yes. find your rhythm. Like if uh -huh. you're not authentically you someone wrote those sound bites for me yep yep exactly it's not me yeah right i had to find my sound bites and how do i describe mm -hmm. it and talk mm -hmm. about the process and um so my next one was yahoo finance which was like the next day uh it was much better yeah um but now jj and i joke that you know i thought it was really bad she didn't think it was that bad but i think it's because i I have an expectation of, of like, course. like how quick yes. I am. And, yes. and it just yes. stopped me in my tracks because I'm yeah. talking about myself, which is not normally no. what I talk about, right? And so, uh, so it's, but it, it's been a huge learning journey for me and it's given me, uh, you know, like this past week I was at the Art of Leadership in Canada and I had the opportunity to uh, share the stage with Malala and you just sort of go, wow. Pinch yourself. You do because you kind of say, oh, I get all wrapped up in my first world problems, you know? Mm -hmm of I gotta put gas in my car and should I go take an MBA and I need to go get a you know a mammogram or my blood work done yeah. or, you know or should an I MRI sell my house or like and buy sell my house one? and buy another one and you know I gotta make a car payment and then yeah. you sort of go yeah yeah it just doesn't matter no right and no. and it was uh, I got I you know I not only got to to uh, share the stage with her but I got uh, about ten minutes backstage and powerful you know, you, you, it's just powerful just mm -hmm. super you know where you just sort of go. How can I, you know, make a difference? Like some of the things we were talking about, you know, yes. as a realtor, yeah. you've been really successful, mm -hmm. you know, how can you pay it forward? You know, yeah. how could you help maybe with the homeless crisis in the neighborhoods you work in? Yes. You know, what could you do to help renovate the schools in the neighborhood mm -hmm. you work in? Do fundraisers to yeah. renovate, you know, uh, buildings that are historical buildings. Like, yes. You know, just that kind of stuff. Like you have the ability and the platform and the network. And yes. like, that's the way. And, and I'd say in my 20s, it was about, I don't know what I want to do. My 30s was, I want to make a shitload of money. In my 40s, it was about, I don't really know what my superpower is. And in mm -hmm. my 50s, it's all been about, you know, how do I try to make a difference yeah. in some way? Yeah. And uh, the book has been the platform to get me in front of, you know, those kinds of conversations where you just literally stop for a moment. And for mm -hmm. everybody who's, you know, listening in the United States, like we have first world problems. Yes. We could do better. Absolutely. Yep. But in the whole grand scheme of things, you know, there's someone driving across the United States right now. Um, 
that uh, was the uh, activist who got women to be able to drive in Saudi Arabia. And she's driving across the United States right now, like as we're interviewing. She just left Los mm-hmm. Angeles this morning. Mm-hmm. She's on her way to D.C. Yeah. Trying to raise awareness around this is what's going on. Yes. But before she could come to the United States to do this drive, to raise awareness, she had to get permission from her father. Yes. She's 39. It's so crazy. And when her son turns 18, mm-hmm. he becomes her guardian. Yeah. Because there, women are considered minors. Yep. So, like, okay, that little thing I just rattled off to you, mm-hmm. I was not thinking about before I had no. this conversation with no. Nawala. Right? No. I, right? And no. so you just sort of go, as you get in your car in the morning and drive. Yeah. And complain about traffic. <laughs> Which, that I, I'm not sure if I'll ever give that up. But, you know, at the <laughs> end of the day, right? I mean, it, yeah. it, we're getting deep. But I yes. mean, I think that that's, yes. you know, these questions about hypergrowth and startup mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. five phone calls and getting yep. coaching and doing yep. all that. You know, we are all very blessed. And so, yes. you know... Um, we just need to make sure we, we stop for a second and say the amount, can I carve some of my time out that I pour into you know, making money mm-hmm. and uh, take an hour a week yeah. or a couple of hours a month yes. and figure out how do I give that much energy to something or somebody yeah. that uh, doesn't have what I have. Mentoring 10 kids, helping on it. I mean, there's just Coaching there's so is a many, great way to exactly, give back, right? I mean, exactly. coaches, it's a great way to give back. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so I'm not saying it has to be altruistic, yeah. um, but yeah, ultimately yeah. it's just, you know, and, and I'd say the millennial generation now is so much more conscious of it. And yes. they're, they're taking jobs and doing things that are mm-hmm. more um, socially conscious. I just tweeted something the other day about how millennials said they would buy more real estate mm-hmm. if the, it was more technology savvy. And I CC'd you on the tweet, right? Yeah. Because they're just like, I would buy more if mm-hmm. financing was easier and I could yes. find it easier and yes. I could do all these things easier. So, you know, uh, I think those of us that, or those of you who have been doing real estate for 20 or 30 years, mm-hmm. you know, your competition is gonna be this new generation that is far more technically savvy. And it's far more technically savvy. Right here. Yeah, on the phone. Right here. Right, right on the phone, yeah. right. And, uh, you know, I, what I also heard on my little real estate tour of people asking me questions is, I, I don't I don't want to use the technology. So I go, well, do you shop at Amazon? Do you call an Uber? Do you yes. use OpenTable? Do you yes. book your hotel rooms online? The answer is yes. So you're not really afraid of technology. Yeah. You just don't want to change your behavior at work. Bingo. Right? And so we all have to remember that we've absorbed technology in our personal lives. We have to figure out how do we apply that. in And, and specifically in real estate, I feel like there's so much opportunity unmet. You know, when someone still knocks on my door, mm-hmm. Or I get, you know, a dozen, which I said at your event, yeah. I get a dozen mailers, yeah. four color, this big, beautiful, yeah. they go right yeah. in the trash and I don't read. Yeah. What could you do with that money? Yeah. Differently. Yes. I'm not saying yes. that doesn't help, right? But yeah. it can't be the only thing. And if you had to give up something, yeah. might that be the thing you give up and yeah. spend money on, you know, social media or on a YouTube channel or on a podcast or on whatever it might be. Every one of my listeners is like, oh yeah, Tom Ferry, multi-channel, multi-channel, multi-channel. Hit him with direct mail, make the phone call, see the tweet, do a live video, do an open house, be in the community, see you at church. Oh, she's my realtor. Like that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. And, And where's the unmet opportunity? You know? Do you go do uh, you know a little talk at a senior community yeah. about you know how to do reverse mortgages or yes. you know is your will all put together like yes you know these are strategies we teach I love it I'm, you know it's like we're just pulling these ideas and I'm like yes yeah. we teach that yes we teach that and so you yes. just you just have to find something yeah. that is authentic to you That's that the makes key. you different yeah. and and double down I love it so where can people find you well they can follow me on Twitter at at Tiffany not my middle name. Mm-hmm. 
at Tiffany. Diane. Yeah, at <laughs> Tiffany underscore Bova, and it's Tiffany with an I. So it really complicates things. Yep. And then LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, and I have a podcast called What's Next with Tiffany Bova. I've had some great guests on. You should absolutely check it out. And the book Growth IQ. Yeah. Buy it retail, buy it online. Hey, well, listen, uh, for my listeners out there, I know you got a lot of value out of this. Do me a favor, share this with some of your friends that are maybe not in your industry and even inside your industry and absolutely check out this book, Growth IQ, Tiffany Bova, far on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. She is an absolute rock star. Tiffany, thank you for being on the show today. Totally appreciate it. Hi, everybody. And thanks for joining us. It was a lot of fun. I could do this all the time. Totally. If it wasn't two hours away in traffic, I would do it all the time. True, true. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're out. If you want more information about this episode, including my show notes, mentions, links, and everything else, make sure you visit tomferry.com slash podcast. That's tomferry.com slash podcast. Thanks again and talk to you soon.